Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. This is a podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for transitioning out of campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard pivoted out of campus-based positions and have experienced success by translating our education skills into a new career path. With almost 16,000 downloads across our 35 episodes in our previous seasons, the need is clear and we're back for Season 3. For show notes and information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. Our inboxes are clear that you all need support with your pivot. Therefore, if you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, check out our website for pivoting resources and our consultation services. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. Now, sit back and get ready to be inspired. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. I'm Tom Studdard. And I'm Jamie Hoffman. And today we are really excited to welcome uh, a guest that I've been following following on social media for a few few weeks now. Um, he has a background in orientation, so of course, like I feel like I have to know every person that's that currently or has ever worked in orientation. Um, uh, and he recently spoke at the annual conference for NODA, the Association for Orientation uh, Transition and Retention, and I believe it was in Orlando. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So the reason that I'm super excited about that is the last conference, the last NOTA conference that was hosted in Orlando, I actually chaired that conference. And so I was really excited to see it go back to Orlando. And he works at Slack, which if you work in the corporate community, you know what Slack is and you know that little bell that goes off. Um, sometimes it goes off in my dreams or my nightmares at night um, as I try to respond to things quickly. But let me turn it over to you to let you introduce yourself, because, again, I'm super excited that you're here with us. For sure. Thanks, Tom. And thanks for, for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you all. Uh, my name is Albert Pereira, pronouns he, him, his. Uh, majority of my experience, like you mentioned, is in orientation, transition, and retention programs. I spent some time doing some admissions work as well as um, family programs. And primarily, uh, my experience is in larger public institutions. So I've worked at University of Florida, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, and most recently at Florida International University. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So we've got a little bit of your background. Um, so what I really want to know from you is why you chose to make, make the pivot, um, particularly the, your initial pivot, um, and what your first position was after you made that pivot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, um, as far as why I chose to explore other options, it was a lot of different factors, I think, compounding over uh, several years. Um, and to sum it all up, it really was, I was overworked and, and burnt out. It was a lot easier, I think, to push through when you're in grad school or a new professional, when you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. But I found very quickly that what I was doing just wasn't sustainable for, for me. Um, there's only so many times that I could, quote-unquote, remember my why before I started to feel silly for allowing my passion for the work to be the excuse as to why my time and energy were being sucked out of me, um, especially for the amount that, you know, staff are paid in, in education. So on top of that, I think world happenings were weighing on me. Um, I started feeling like this in 2016, um, back when, you know, pulse shooting happened, election drama, and it was just really hard to focus on work. Um, I tried to stay grounded by focusing on, you know, supporting students and colleagues, but really didn't take a lot of time to support myself. 
And then on top of all that, most of my roles included supervising and managing teams. And though there were parts of it that I really enjoyed, those prior two reasons were really impeding on my happiness. And so um, I, I really wasn't able to be my best self for others. Uh, I was truly pouring from an empty cup. And I felt like the work of that yearly orientation cycle was owning me instead of me owning the work. And so Really, the breaking point was, I think, when my former institution required all staff to come back to campus um, after kind of COVID remote work without a lot of flexibility and honestly, a lot of inconsistency across the board. Um, and so I made the jump, landed in a contract recruiting role, at, um, recruiting coordinator role at Slack, um, which is a digital communications company that's been transforming the way we work. And I've been here for about six to seven months, and it's been awesome. I really love that you talked about sort of the pouring from the empty cup. I think that a lot of our listeners and and quite frankly, even if they're not listening, our colleagues in higher ed feel that way. I, I actually just had a conversation today with somebody who works in a leadership center who said, like, I, I don't know what more to give. Um, it's, you know, sort of trying to, trying to do 10,000 jobs that used to be spread out among multiple people that that those folks may have left or the budget cuts or whatever the case may be and so i i think what you're what you're talking about what you're feeling is very um it's 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 pretty consistent with what we hear a lot which makes me sad on the one hand because you know i is similar to i think jamie and you i have a lot of love for higher education but i don't know if higher education had a lot of love for me and so um i definitely definitely hear what you're saying. Okay, I'll stop talking and I'll let Jamie ask the next question because I know we want to keep going. Yes, and of course, all of that resonates for me. And gosh, like sadly, I just keep seeing like someone would just post today about um, how they get higher ed job alerts, you know, from uh, higheredjobs.com. And they used to get like 10, like openings like a week or something that would pop in their inbox. And now it's like 70. So we, we all know like the, the great resignation is a thing, but like mm-hmm. it's it's like a really a thing in higher ed, which I think is also why in ed tech we are getting so many applications. And I'm like, please don't be offended that you didn't get an interview. It's just that like we're getting 500 applications for one opening. But anyway, to that end, I mean, I think people will be very curious about your role, maybe if you can give us a get a little bit more detail about what you what you do in your role and how you found it, you know, sort of what you like about it, dislike, et cetera. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I found the role really through a friend from grad school. Um, I saw that he had made a similar jump out of higher ed, saw that he had posted about his new role um, and I had caught up with him to just kind of see how it was going. Um, he really had a lot of great things to say and really no complaints. And later on when they had an opening, he just had reached out and asked me to send um, him my resume. Um, so I did. He sent it to the hiring team. And within the, the same day, they had reached out to schedule an interview. And so, I mean, first of all, I was just floored that it was so fast um, once you kind of get your foot in the door. But I think also just really speaks to the importance of um, folks who you know, and you know, keeping your connections open with 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 folks that you've met throughout your career because they really can open a lot of doors. Uh, in terms of the day to day, it's a uh, a lot of I, I think busy work, if if you would say, like for lack of better words. There's 
scheduling interviews, roundtables where they talk about the candidates to make decisions, rescheduling. It's a, a lot of puzzle work, um, working with, with people's calendars. Some days are busier than others. It really kind of depends on who's in the, in the pipeline to, to get through. But aside from that, you're checking in with your recruiters who you're partnered with, um, aligning on workflows and seeing what the upcoming pipeline of candidates is going to look like. Um, we work together to send out offer letters and background inv investigations um, for those candidates to just keep them flowing. And then aside from that, we have lots of kind of within our recruiting coordination team, our RC team, we do some weekly standups just to catch up with, with, with um, one another, our monthly team meetings. And something that I really love is that we're able to kind of be tapped into special projects. I had mentioned in my interview that I had some interest into going into university recruiting just because that's a very transferable um, population that we obviously have worked with. And they have been able to set me up with the university relations team to help schedule interviews for the intern candidates for Slack, which has been really nice just being in touch with, you know, college students who are very excited about um, interning with Slack. And so there's an extra kind of piece that I love uh, about that. In terms of things that I'd like, I, I am just floored at how close I feel with my teammates and the folks that I work with without have, ever having meet, uh, met them because we're all re remote at this point um, indefinitely and there's really no kind of plan to go in person right now. But I think even from the very beginning, I've just sensed this um, openness, transparency and vulnerability, even from our RC leadership that I've really appreciated. And I think has lent itself a good transition from higher ed, where I think we we value that, at least it's something that I valued, and um, into what I think people sometimes will be missing from the corporate world. So I feel very lucky to um, be in a culture that really builds up its team members and gives folks opportunities. And aside from the RC team, I just feel so lucky with the recruiters that I've been um, paired with because that can be really make or break for the RC experience because they should be keeping you in the loop. They should be advocating for you to be included in conversations, um, especially in Slack. We're obviously trying to keep everything into one channel instead of putting information into different DMs. It can be very hard to keep track of everything, but they're really great about advocating for me to be involved in those conversations. That's, that's something that I enjoy. And then, of course, working for a company that uses its product as its main source of communication. It's very interesting. I we only use uh, email to communicate with external candidates, um, but everything else is through Slack. And so it's been really nice because I've never really used Slack as a, a formal thing at work before. Um, we were used to Outlook and Teams at some other place that I've been at. Um, but it's been nice to learn Slack at Slack from the folks who are constantly in there maintaining and, and updating um, you know, that product so it can constantly improve. As far as the responsibilities, I love that it mixes individual work as well as working with other people. I get to do my own kind of puzzle solving with the candidate availability and the interviewer calendars to get those interviews scheduled. But I also need to rely on my relationship building skills to work with the hiring um, team's calendar. Sometimes they have other things going on. Establishing a great first impression is super important to establish trust because uh, for anyone who is not in charge of their calendar or has other people in charge of their calendar, I think it can be very uh, stressful if you don't have someone that you trust uh, managing it. And so um, that's something that I've really um, valued um, that they have been open to me as far as like learning and even through mistakes, giving me grace um, because of that first impression and trust that I was able to establish in the beginning. So 
yeah, those are, I think, a few things. Overall, a sense of feeling much more in control of my work. Um, I'm able to have a hand in a few specific things and be the absolute best in it, as opposed to being spread thin through all the things that we had to do between running programs and events, recruiting teams, training them, supervising them. It's been nice to be uh, a bit in tunnel vision and building upon some skills that I really didn't uh, expand upon or really have time to in my previous roles. I love it. And I love Slack. Tom, Tom re- just said before we hopped on that he likes it, but it's like uh, too much noise through forever. But I'm like, oh, could you just Slack me? Like everything Slack. Let's, I know I, we need another, well, let's have a Slack channel for that. Um, and I work in a tech and we, I've been using it for, for five years now. Like that has been our main source. So um, so I'm, I'm like a fan, like I probably, I should just work at Slack at some point because I like it so much. <laughs> I need to get some like Slack gear, but at any rate, the other thing I wanted to highlight is, and I know actually we're going to transition to, to asking you more about like the transferability and such, but I know I mentioned it's a little daunting getting an interview with like 500 applicants and I, Tom is a major proponent of informational interviews. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not like, I don't like getting cold call LinkedIn. I, I, I encourage people to try it, but like, I don't like it. But what I do encourage people to do is really think about their network and expand it beyond like, yes, if you go, if, if our campus-based folks go on their LinkedIn, they're probably mostly connected to other people in higher ed. But many are connected to their students as well, um, but also friends and family. And it's like, if you want to transfer your skills outside, you, you probably do have a fair amount of people that you know that are in some sort of corporate roles. And so your example of connecting with your friend, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, to be honest, but there it is a reality nowadays that if you're an internal referral, you do at least get that that first round of consideration. And I say, I don't know if it's good or bad because I do want to acknowledge it probably perpetuates folks from historically marginalized backgrounds not having those connections and so they are not then able to do the networking um yet it it is a reality in in business today so um it is important to think about and navigate around so um i think that's a great sort of organic way that you found your path to where you're at and thanks for sharing the 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 things that you like about it well so I'm sorry, I thought you had a follow-up question. Did you have a follow-up, Jamie? No, I just had a follow-up comment. Oh, oh. my love for Slack slash the networking thing. Did I say I love Slack? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually not really job searching. I just love Slack. Just <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I will admit I have I have this love-hate relationship with Slack. I'm I'm the kind of person who's like likes to check things off. I'm, I'm a very to-do list sort of tasky person. And I feel like I can't ever get it done because there's like this constant barrage of messages. Um, but I do think it's, it's been, it's been revolutionary in the workplace. And so I, I'm, I'm excited that you found a company that, you know, not only you feel excited to work at and excited to go to, but also, you know, the brand itself is, is certainly a, a one of a kind brand. You know, I, I had a follow up sort of a little bit of a, of a dive before I wanted to move into sort of the characteristics and skills component of the conversation. I really wanted to find out from you, you know, you're, you went from university to true corporate, like, you know, you know, you didn't make the pit stop or sort of decide to go into ed tech or nonprofit. And not only that, you're working for Slack, which is owned by Salesforce, which is obviously sort of this massive behemoth of a brand. 
What was it like those first couple of days uh, as you sort of transitioned over? You know, I, I know I, when I'm hiring people into into Zoom Info, and it's a you know it's not quite as large as, as Salesforce, but we're trying. Um, uh, you, there's this sort of oh I'm I'm overwhelmed. There's a lot of like drinking from the fire hose. What was it like for you those first couple of days? And 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 if it was similar to that, how did you manage sort of getting over that initial that initial sort of learning curve or hurdle? For sure, yeah, that's a great question. Um, the drinking through a fire hose is, uh, I think, applicable to really any job that I've started, higher ed, and even here. That was something that they told me even during the interview process. And so, I think what was helpful was just to not put the position on a pedestal and to just see it as another um, position that I was learning, a new institution that I was learning, a new kind of language that I was learning. And I think what was really helpful was they gave us um, like onboarding buddies. I, I, I had two folks to help train me and they were uh, honestly the best. Um, it was a great onboarding experience in terms of some like shadowing and one-on-one, -on -one, but also some like self-paced stuff. Um, and that was stuff that they had improved from the past after saying that a lot of the recorded ones were um, fatiguing the, the new hire. So it was a sign to me that they were interested in improving their processes, uh, which was which was nice. And I think it was also nice where I didn't feel pressure to get everything perfect in the beginning. It, th that onboarding process was a whole month. So I didn't send out a schedule by myself um, without having someone watch me that whole entire first month, everything was um, with someone walking me through it, making sure, you know, checking mistakes. And so I really felt confident going in after that first month because we had done it, that, rep that repetition a few times, several times where I was comfortable doing that. And so I think then after a while, it was just every month or so trying to make some, some new connections. Um, we um, had an integration with this app called Dona in Slack, where they automatically pair folks in different channels. Um, so some of the groups that I was able to be a part of, like the Latino one or the LGBTQ group, um, they all have uh, different monthly rotating kind of coffee chats where you're able to meet other folks in the company and what they're doing. And as someone who is completely new to the whole fields um, of corporate, I was like, please tell me what you do. Please tell me how you got there. Um, because I'm just trying to figure out where I may fit. And I think that's something that I really enjoy about the RC role, because we are aligned with specific recruiters who work in specific areas, whether that be customer success, learning, or even engineering or design. There's um, any kind of roles that could be at a company. And you then are in touch with those hiring teams. You kind of have a bit of an insight into some things that they value, things that they're looking for. And so I'm really just kind of taking everything in um, little by little um, without over overwhelming myself, um, focusing on the things that I can control. And um, I think it's helpful being in a role where I do feel in control of the things that I am doing as opposed to in the past where um, some of the things that we were doing were had to be influenced by outside um, higher ups or state politics, so many different things. And so, yeah, and, and, I, and I think through the acquisition and harmonization really started about two months after I started. So I learned one system and then we changed um, kind of midway, which was a fun experience for everyone because everyone, no matter how long they'd been, were um, learning a new system. But everyone has been in it together and Slack has been able to maintain, I think, its identity um, pretty well and our, our own team, even within the larger Salesforce team. Yeah. 
And I think that that's sort of true about sort of how Salesforce does acquisitions. And I, I'm glad that you brought up acquisition because, you know, that was the first acquisition that I was a part of when I worked at Zoom Info. I, like I played like I knew what was going on, but I was I was sort of behind the scenes a little bit in the dark because, you know, universities don't typically acquire other universities. And so, um, you know, it was sort of a new thing for me. But I'm, I'm glad that you got that experience right away because it is something that we do in corporate is we do acquisitions and we do mergers. And it's definitely an interesting sort of experience to get under your belt and and you having that early in, in your career is, is is good. So, you know, Albert, one of the things that I, 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 it's sort of the, one of the big reasons we wanted to talk with you is because you've made the transition into, into the sort of the talent acquisition sector, which I know is an area that a lot of our listeners are potentially interested in. And you brought it up yourself, right? Like university recruiting, like sort of makes sense, right? Or sort of the the people aspect of of, of recruiting and of, of, of talent acquisition. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the skills that made you successful as you pivoted, you know, what you learned in your campus-based positions um, that have sort of carried over into the role that you have now. And were there, was, was there anything that was missing that when you got to Slack, you're like, ah, oh, I wish I would have learned this while I was at, at an institution of higher education. For sure. Yeah. When you said it earlier about of wanting to, or being someone who likes to check off things, that is totally me. Um, and I think that's something that helps because um, you know, sometimes when you have those constant um, flow of interviews being sent from the recruiters to us, um, essentially ha- how it goes, they send us the candidate availability, who they need to interview with, and then I work with those details to get it on the calendar. And so um, there's a lot of steps that kind of go through that and to make sure it's in our scheduling tool and then in our ATS system. Um, and each of those steps, my like adrenaline and dopamine are just firing. I'm just like, you know, check, check, check. We're like for every single time an interview is going. And so um, even the small wins are like big, big wins for me and it's super motivating. And so I think that's something that I think is just an internal thing that's helpful. So if, if folks like some good heads down work, um, I think a recruiting coordinator role is a great option for them. I think what's also motivating about that is this the whole idea of maintaining a positive candidate experience. We have all been on the side of being a candidate and maybe waiting a very long time for an update. And I think something that I appreciated that my trainer even told me while we were um, onboarding that you know, we don't want the candidate to go to bed that night without a status update from us. So whether, you know, we get the interview scheduled, great, or even if it hadn't, um, because we're waiting on maybe a hiring manager to move another meeting to accommodate the interview, you know, sending a quick follow-up message to let them know, just to give them that peace of mind. And I think that's something that's important to keep at the the front of your mind, um, keeping that um, level of empathy for for the candidate. And so that's something I I really enjoy. And in general, I, I think it's important to no matter how many years of experience, just to be humble and open to learning, um, you know, especially for a more like entry level role like this. Um, both of my trainers were several years younger than me, and yet they still gave me the absolute best onboarding experience. And so, um, you know, when I tell people what I do, they're like, oh, you just schedule interviews. Like, how hard could, could that be? And the grand scheme of things, it's, it's really it's really not like rocket science. But walking in, I think, with an open mind and heart helped me adjust to the culture and align with expectations more seamlessly. And so that's something that I think folks should take into account. As far as things that I learned in my campus-based role and specifically with orientation programs, like 
we are just wired to make people feel welcomed and to really value them through that team building that we have to do with our you know teams so that they obviously the students can feel at home at the institutions and so that has helped with the relationship building within my immediate RC team with the recruiters that I work with and with the hiring managers and interview teams that I work with um because they know that if I'm you know making an ask to um move something they know that it's with good intent and because it's it's, a, it's important i'm i'm thankful that they see me as a partner because obviously they have their own jobs to do um but they also have goals for hiring and i'm helping them with that and so that's something that i think is is good in, in general as well and then let me see yeah albert i think that that that's that sums it up really well and i, oh, I okay, think cool. that, that what you talked about there is exactly what what we're hoping you know our listeners will take away from this is you know the things that will help them think of think about in their skill development or their skill building as they pivot. I have to say, um, you know, uh, I, I loved your advice about sort of being humble about maybe people younger than you uh, doing your onboarding or doing your training. I think most people know this story. I don't know if you know, like the CEO of my company is a former student of mine. And so that's always a humbling experience to recognize like, yeah, the kid that I used to mentor on the side when he was student body president is now not just my boss's not just sort of at the top of the food chain, but it's like my boss's boss's boss. So, so it's definitely been uh, humbling, but also, like you said, extremely rewarding because, you know, it's, it, it makes you remember that there are people in this world that are smarter than you, that are, that are, that know more than you. And your some of our job is to like, just try to learn as much as we can from those folks, no matter how old or smart or wherever they, they are on the sort of the food chain. So appreciate that comment. Agreed. And, and sometimes, you know, like Tom and I have doctorates and I just don't even bother telling a lot of people. And that might be disheartening to folks listening, but it's kind of like not that relevant when it comes to, especially internal work. I, I work with university partners, so it is very relevant there, but a little sad sometimes when people don't ever want to call me Dr. Hoffman. <laughs> Uh, unless they try to call me Mrs. Hoffman, of which I am not because I was never. But anyway, a digression. We have learned so much from you about your story. I am 100% confident that our listeners are going to be like, that was so helpful. If you were to give just like one quick elevator pitch of advice to um, folks out there that are that are among the group of the Great, Le- great Resignation, um, what advice would you give? Yeah, I'd encourage them to think about the advice that they've shared with students and colleagues. And chances are it's great advice that they can probably apply to themselves, especially for folks in orientation or anyone who works with students in transition in general. And that can be transferable in lots of ways. Um, This is what we do. We help them step outside their comfort zones and we help them navigate unfamiliar situations with courage and confidence. And so I know it's easier said than done, but when it really comes down to it, we need to take a look in the mirror and listen to our own advice. That is fantastic. So true. Thank you so much. I, again, I am confident that our listeners are going to appreciate this. If they don't already love Slack, they might even more so after this, (laughs) but, but no, thank you again so much for your time. We've really enjoyed the conversation. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week and catch a whole different fabulous guest. 
Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast and our consultation services, visit pivotingoutofedu.com.